the old renaissance is the new renaissance standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction this is the harlem brewing company uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste a sound and a feeling that can only be described in one way harlem style so come and take a trip on the a-train with our harlem sugar hill golden ale and our harlem renaissance with the neighborhood original Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance is proud to support the sixth Box to Row countdown to kick off. And we're excited to welcome head coaches from area colleges and universities to the capital city. We look forward to another fantastic season of HBCU football filled with great games, rivalries, pageantry, and unforgettable fall Saturdays. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance works with local partners to grow the sporting event industry in our area. The GRSA has an extensive track record of securing and hosting successful tournaments and championships, resulting in significant economic impact for the region and an enhanced quality of life for our residents. In 2022, Raleigh was named Sports Travel Best Host City. To learn more, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RaleighNC Sports. Best of luck to all area HBCU football programs this season. On December 27, 1892, Livingstone and Biddle College, now known as Johnson C. Smith University, played in Salisbury, North Carolina with Biddle winning 5-0. Over time, HBCU football has evolved. HBCU football's popularity continues to rise. Millions attend games each year and millions more watch on television. The HBCU bands provide some of the top entertainment in the country. Over that time, some of the best players to ever play in the National Football League played at HBCUs. Every Monday through Friday on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, national radio and television host Donald Ware takes a look at what's happening in HBCU football and talks with coaches, players, administrators, and media about the season. Make sure you join the conversation on social media now. Here's your host, Donald Ware. This is the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Tuesday, September 5th. I'm Donald Ware, of course, yesterday we had a chance to kind of look at the scoreboard. I want to get a little bit more in depth in terms of week one in HBCU football in our Takeaway Tuesday segment. Hope you guys had a phenomenal, uh, not only weekend, but a phenomenal Labor Day. And we call it Labor Day, but it seems like that's all I did on Labor Day was labor, okay? Um, we, we got this br- uh, brisket kind of going uh, at the house. That took some work. Had a bunch of stuff to do with box to row, a bunch of other stuff that really needed to be done. I must have worked an eight-hour day uh, on a holiday, but that's what we do here um, at box to row because we want to make sure uh, that uh, you have all the information that you need, that you want, and that uh, what we do here is entertaining, is knowledgeable for you, entertaining and enjoying to you. So uh, some of the takeaways from Tuesday, and, and before I even get to the takeaways, uh, we I've got to get to the HBCU coaches and media polls, as those were released, um, as a matter of fact, on yesterday, as I pull them up here 
I mean, no surprise uh, when you think about the number one team, North Carolina Central is number one in both the coaches and media polls. Now, it wasn't a unanimous number one. Florida A&M uh, received some votes, uh, rightfully so, because if you look at the preseason poll, it wasn't like, or the preseason polls, uh, the Eagles weren't number one or weren't a unanimous number one in either poll. So in the coaches poll, North Carolina Central received 18 of 20 first place votes. Florida A&M received the other two, number three, uh, number two. Prairie View A&M, number three. Alabama State, number four. Jackson State, number five. Six through ten. Looks like this. Howard, North Carolina A&T. Morgan State making an entrance in the coaches poll. Hampton and Southern. In the media poll, North Carolina Central, Florida A&M. Benedict at number three. Followed by Jackson State at number four. And Alabama State at number five. Six through ten. Virginia Union, Prairie View A&M. Morgan State. Howard and North Carolina A&T round out the top 10. Your players of the week, Morgan State linebacker Eric Hunter had 11 tackles in the victory over Richmond. Um, he also had a, a tackle and a half for loss and a tackle and, a, and a, a, a sack and a half in the ball game. The sack, he had a sack in the fourth quarter that was absolutely huge. As a matter of fact, 10-10 game, he had a sack fumble recovered in, by Morgan State deep in Richmond territory. I think it was the next play. Morgan State got a 10-yard touchdown run to go ahead in 17-10, which ended up being the final score. But that was a huge play in the game. Eric Hunter, the linebacker for Morgan State. And then uh, our other, or the other HBCU National Player of the Week, Tyrell Jackson, the quarterback um, from Johnson C. Smith, the Golden Bulls had a big win over West Virginia Westland. Uh, it was a blowout, as a matter of fact, 49-6. to And Jackson, 19 of 28, 229 yards, threw four touchdowns, didn't throw any interceptions in that victory by um, Johnson C. Smith. So that's, uh, that's a huge win for the Golden Bulls to kind of start um, this season off and try to get the season off on the right foot. So some of my takeaways, I think the number one takeaway had to be Morgan. Uh, it, it was Morgan State's victory uh, over Richmond. It was a big time win for Morgan. Um, you think about Richmond's in the CAA, a top 25 team. Morgan State had been down. You look at the 2014 season for Morgan State. I think it was a six and five season. <clears throat> it was a five-way tie in the MEAC that year. And Morgan State held the tiebreakers, thus went to the FCS playoffs. Less that season, um, you know, under Donald Hill Ely, there may have been a couple of six and five seasons, a six and six season, if my memory serves me correctly, but not a whole lot uh, of success before Donald Hill Ely, uh, maybe for 40 years. So to get a victory like that uh, by Morgan State, I think is big. Um, Damon Wilson doing a tremendous job as the head coach changing the culture there in Baltimore uh, and at Morgan State, much like he did at Bowie State with all of the success um, that Bowie State was able to have uh, with him as the head coach. So that was my number one takeaway. Number two, um, uh, some big wins. I mean, there were some big wins um, in HBCU football. Um, Bowie State's and some, some upsets. 
Bowie State's win over Delaware State. I'm not even sure if I classify that as an upset. Um, Lee Hall's going to try to have to find his footing. I think he'll do, you know, he'll be successful. <clears throat> Speaking of Morgan State, when Morgan State uh, ended up getting a share of that title in 2014, Lee Hall was the head football coach. I have no doubt he'll find his footing, but, you know, it, it, I, I think, um, you know, Delaware State has ha- had some players to lead the program. So, it's going to take a little bit of a building. And I think Bowie State had a bit of a down season in Kyle Jackson's first year. So they're looking to turn around. That's a big win for Bowie State. Then Virginia State's win over Norfolk State. We talked about this yesterday in the manner uh, really in which Virginia State won that football game, um, really was able to eke it out um, in an old CIAA uh, matchup, right? So big win for Virginia State. Then you had some close games, some almost games. Elizabeth City State had an opportunity against Catawba, couldn't quite get it done. We talked about that yesterday. West Virginia State fell to within two points, losing 37-35 to Moorhead State playing up. And then Fayetteville State loses on a field goal, a last-second field goal, um, to UNC Pembroke. Uh, But those are some programs I think that are going to compete. Maybe Elizabeth City State turns the corner um, a little bit on this year. And then you talk about some other nice wins. Alabama State over Southern is a good win. Um, you know, I didn't see the game, but I had a chance to look at those stats in Alabama State. I mean, that, you know, th- that was a defensive struggle. They, you know, from the third quarter on, the score remained the same, and Alabama State was able to hold on. And then Preview A&M getting off uh, on the right foot with an overtime victory on a field goal over Texas Southern. So that was a, a, a big victory for Prairie View A&M. And not only that, it was a Western, Southwest, it was a SWAC Western Division game as well. So uh, that made it a, an even bigger victory because you're now uh, one up in the SWAC and the division if you're Prairie View A&M. Um, another takeaway, Florida A&M finally getting over the hump. Big win over Jackson State. Um, Jeremy Musa was solid. It's like 12 of... I don't know, 22 or something like that, hundred in excess of 150-some yards. He had two touchdowns, did not turn the ball over. Florida A&M was able to run the football for 207 yards. Now, that's not a huge surprise because South Carolina State, the previous week in the MEAC SWAC Challenge, had some success in running the football on Jackson, on Jackson State. And so you bring in, a, you have a good quarterback in Jeremy Musa, and then that defense by uh, Florida A&M, Isaiah Major, uh, and the rest of the crew for the Rattlers absolutely uh, did the did the job on Jason Brown and that Jackson State offense. So that's uh, another one of my takeaways from uh, from the week. And then you know I thought even, even though there was some good offense, okay, there was some solid offense, um, but there. You know, there was some there w- was some offense that wasn't so good. I talked about, you know, Bethune-Cookman, less than 100 total yards um, in the loss to Memphis. Some other programs didn't really um, have a lot of great offense. You, ha- it, you know, the quarterback position this, this week, week one was interesting. It's, it's, this particular week one isn't like, some of the other week ones we w- would have seen in the past. You had a lot of big wins. You had some, you know, some, 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 uh, some, some wins over non-HBCU teams, which has been a point of contingency. Yes, you have some, you'd had some losses, but you had, you know, some wins as well. 
um, you had some solid quarterback play. I mentioned Jackson as one of the players of the week. And then um, Jaquay Hart, the quarterback for Bluefield State in his very first game. 17 and 32, 218 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. He's, he's, a, he's a true freshman, okay, playing in his very first game. So you had some of those kind of games. Um, I thought that Davius Richard was solid enough um, against Winston-Salem State. I think uh, that the Eagles are going to have to get that offensive line together coming into the game against A&T um, on Saturday, but I thought he did uh, a well enough job. But then you had some not-so-great offense and some not-so-great quarterback play um, as well in, uh, in, in Week 1 of HBCU football. So that was another one of my takeaways. My final takeaway is this. Um, I know a lot of people have been watching, you know, Colorado to see what Deion Sanders was going to do as the head coach uh, at Colorado. Now I know there uh, was maybe uh, certainly at Jackson state. um, And then maybe in the HBCU world, uh, maybe some, uh, some, some, some hurt feelings. Uh, by those um, at Jackson State, uh, those, and I'm not saying everyone at Jackson State, some of those in the HBCU world, I, I think to think that Deion Sanders was going to stay at Jackson State for a long period of time was not realistic. Um, as I wrote about, I, I thought it was the right move uh, for him to move on to Colorado. And I know a lot of people, not just in HBCU, but people generally speaking, had their eyes uh, on that football game against TCU. That was a huge win for Colorado. As uh, Deion Sanders appropriately stated when correcting a reporter earlier in the week, he said, I am an HBCU grad, and he is, uh, and that that's a fact. He is an HBCU grad. Um, big win. Shador Sanders was phenomenal. Like, I... I'm going to tell you, he showed me something. I knew Shador Sanders could play. I think we all knew he could play, okay? I think the question was, what would he do against FBS competition week in and week out, okay? Now, you you can talk about whether TCU plays defense or not perennially. We can talk about all that, but the numbers don't lie. Completed 38 of 47 passes, 510 yards, four touchdowns, did not throw a single interception in that football game. And to me, what it said to me is this. And, you you know, we watched that young man improve every year. 2021, solid freshman year. He took it up another notch in 2022 to the point, I mean, I think at some point he had thrown like 20-some-odd touchdowns and no interceptions. We know even if he's at in the 70 percentile in terms of completion percentage. So we know he could play, but he was going to have to take his preparation to another level in playing at Colorado because week in and week out, you're playing uh, FBS opponents. And so I think his preparation coming into this 2023 season was excellent. And that enabled him to have an outstanding football game. Travis Hunter, uh, former Jackson State player, uh, couldn't play either way. He had an interception. He also had 11 receptions, 419 yards in this football game um, as well. And I was also pleased to see the running 
of Savion Wilkerson. Now, remember, he played at Jackson State last year, but previous to that, he played at Delaware State. So you've got HBCU footprint uh, all over uh, Colorado right now. So, you know, listen, I wasn't the biggest Deion Sanders fan. Right, like I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and, and try to say like I'm on the bandwagon. It's just the fact of the matter is, it's good to see when HBCU players go to the, if that's what they choose to do, go to the next level and uh, perform. Uh, those three young men in particular did, and then Deion Sanders as the head coach um, did as well. I know a lot of people were also watching this game. Maybe that didn't necessarily have a rooting interest in HBCU sports, but want to see a black coach do well. Well, I saw a lot of that. He went out, coached that team up. They won that football game. Um, Shiloh, Shadour, Travis Hunter, um, Wilkerson, that all played at Jackson State and made an impact in that victory by Colorado over TCU. So those are my thoughts for today's HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can always hit us up on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're there. You can also, if you're watching this on the BoxToRow YouTube channel, you can always comment there as well. And don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast where you can watch on the BoxToRow YouTube channel as well as listen or download the podcast on BoxToRow.com as well as iHeartMedia.com. Hope you enjoyed Talk with you tomorrow. We hope you enjoy this episode of the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You can watch on our YouTube page on YouTube at HBCU Football Daily Podcast. Don't forget to get your HBCU football fix on Box to Row with Donald Ware each weekend on a radio station near you and on Sirius XM on the HBCU channel, channel 142, and on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, channel 84. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest in HBCU football. And don't forget to tell a friend.